Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, an emergency edition. Well, it's not really an emergency. We kind of knew that we were going to do this, but um, but yeah, it is a spur of the moment. It's a scheduled emergency podcast. Yeah, instant reaction, I guess you could say, uh, to the uh, UCF Knights men's basketball team making the NCAA tournament for the first time in 14 years. I'm Jeff Sharon, and joining me tonight are Brian Murphy, who is stuck in the doldrums of uh, the FedEx Forum in Memphis at the moment, where they he's probably the only person in the building at the moment. Is that right, Murph? That's not correct, Jeffrey. There are at least three other scribes here right now. And okay. a massive and a massive cleanup crew. Oh, good. You're not so, alone. Okay. So the company and the cleaning crew might be there for a while cleaning up the confetti. Eric Lopez is here. He's actually on the road back from the Orlando Magic game. That's right. Big win for the Magic during the playoff chase at the Amway Center, and uh, that's the secondary store. But uh, yeah, that's uh, the old the old American home of the American Conference Championship last year. And last but far from least, our very special guest tonight, former UCF men's basketball guard, now the analyst for UCF men's basketball. Uh, on uh, the UCF Knights Radio Network and UCFKnights.tv, number 12 in your program, Taylor Young. What's up, T.Y.? What's up, guys? Closing out an awesome weekend. It's good uh, good news to end, end the weekend. Uh, tonight was special. Oh, man. I, well, I can't imagine what it must feel like for you being uh, an alumnus of the program to see uh, UCF get back to the dance for the first time uh, since uh, – 2005 just as an alum as a guy who knows these guys uh and knows coach Dawkins and 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 is around the program how does how does it feel just personally for you to see uh to see UCF in the bracket once again I think what's been cool outside the obvious of you know just the how far we've come type moment that you have is is the level of respect uh, that UCF's getting on a national level. And I think you, you see that in the seating, even though, um, you know, the season kind of ended the way it did in Memphis. And, and that loss is one we'd have like to have back. But you, you see the level of respect that people um, have for UCF. And it has to do with a lot of stuff. It has to do with the level of respect people have for Coach Dawkins and the job he's done. And also the, the talent level um, and really the program that um, you know, we've been able to build. It's just been year after year, a uh, little bit of a, a brick by a little bit more, you know, you're, you're laying a foundation for so long. And then, you know, as a fan and as a player, you kind of get tired of laying a foundation. You're kind of like, Hey, like some results or like to get back to the NCAA tournament kind of thing. And, um, you know, I think that that moment tonight just shows you how special it is to get there. You know, I, I was never able to do it as a player. And so you, you don't take those, those moments for granted. I'm super, super happy you know, for a guy like B.J. Taylor and those guys that stick through and stay local and, and go through everything that you go through as a, as a college athlete, um, that you get to enjoy one of the coolest parts of it. And that's a big tournament. It is really cool. Now, we were there. We were at the – I was at the watch party uh, at Burger U on campus. Uh, and uh, uh, Jeremy Brenner was with us. We saw the reaction. And it happened real quick. And we'll get to that in a second. But – um, just to recap what's what the situation is, in case you don't know, which I don't know why you don't by this point, but um, UCF is a nine seed. They are in the East region. They will play the VCU Rams, who are the eight seed in the East, uh, and they will play on Friday, the 22nd, at 9.40 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. The winner of that game gets the winner of 
likely, well, it's, it's likely going to be the n- number one overall seed, Duke Blue Devils. Uh, they will face uh, the winner of either 16-seeded North Dakota State or North Carolina Central. And obviously only one 16 has ever beaten a one, and that was last year um, when Virginia went down. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. But, um Obviously, you know, yeah, first things first, you got to get through that first round. VCU is going to be a very tough opponent. We're going to break them down in a second. But what do you think, T.Y., about the matchup, at least as of how the bracket shook out, where where UCF did get the nine seed? I was I was a little worried coming in about getting into that 8-9 game because you're facing a number one seed. And we know how good Duke is. I mean, I watched them last night in the ACC championship. They are... Legit, and it's not just Zion Williamson either. They're they're seri- they're serious business. But how do you feel about this this sort of four team pod with Duke against the winner of that six against the winner of that sixteen sixteen game, and then UCF facing VCU at least as running? Because it's an interesting matchup if UCF gets to the second round with Johnny Dawkins facing off against Coach K, right? Yeah, I mean it's made for TV. I mean, really, yeah. I mean, it'll be. Um, you know, mentor and, and, and first mentee and, and, and Zion and, and Taco are two of the most unique players to ever play college basketball in reality. Right. I mean, and, yeah. and, and then both teams are really good. I think there's a lot of talent on that floor. Clearly Duke's the most talented team in the country. Um, but, you know, you also have some pro talent on the ECF side that, 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 you know, forces them to be a tough matchup too. And, and so I, I think it's really, I wouldn't say if it's it's ideal that you're going to play the best player, you know, best team in the country if you're able to advance. But I mean, it's it's pretty awesome that you can know that um, if you can get a win, you're going to have one an amazing experience and a chance to go take down the best team in the country um, in a made-for-TV matchup. So I mean, that I feel like from a viewership standpoint around the country, that that would be a very um, that that would create such a buzz among all these all these games. Well, and it's going to be the marquee broadcast team, I would assume, with Jim Nance, possibly with uh, Grant Hill, former Blue Devil, Bill Raftery. I mean, Taylor, I mean, you said someone who has played college basketball. I mean, that's what you dream of, right, is is that one shining moment von- montage video, Jim Nance, you got the marquee people, and you're going to be playing. Yeah, crazy. I mean, more, pe- more people are going to watch UCF basketball Friday night and potentially Sunday than they ever have in the program's history. It's crazy. And, you know, yeah, for, for Bill Rafferty, a guy like that to call your game. And you know, I would, I would shoot a floater on purpose just so he had to do, you know, he'd have to, you know, commentate my floater. Um, but, you know, so you'd have to get the floater at some point, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is crazy to think that. And I think what's the timing of it's very unique as well for UCF um, as a school and athletic program because pe- people know the name now. People know the brand. Yeah, They may not be as familiar with the basketball team, but when you hear UCF, oh, yeah, the football team, you know, great, blah, 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 the national exposure and everything like that. So um, it, it's just an explosive time, and I think that when you get the eyes on the product that Coach Dawkins um, has put his stamp on, you know, the basketball team and the way these guys defend, my, my biggest thing, what I'm looking for, is like how free are we going to be able to play offensively? You know, like, are we going to come out and, and really be aggressive and, and, and put it on teams offensively? Because defensively, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, it's just offensively, I think that'll be the, the X factor. And if, if we're able to, to, to get an upset and, and, and advance, that, that's what I'm looking for. 
What are your thoughts on the 940 tip-off? And let's be honest, I mean, it probably will be a little later than that. I mean, it never goes on schedule if anybody that's followed the tournament. From a player standpoint, you're waiting all day. You're the last game of that day. There's going to be three other games prior to that. What was a player's mindset? What is that going to be like? And then how a, a factor that's going to be that you're going to wait all day. You're going to be the last game of the night. Yeah, and, and it's the biggest game of, of your career, right? I mean, so it's like you're pretty antsy regardless. You know, games start Thursday, so you're going to want to play then. But um, but you also get the full day to really rest. You get the full, um, you know, the amount of treatment that you're able to get this week and really get your body right to make a run. And then it's just going to be, you know, you're probably going to wake up, grab some breakfast, you maybe have a couple of team meetings, and then you, you hopefully get a nap. I would love to take a nap on game days. <laughs> Um, don't get as, as many naps as the, these days as an adult as I did, you know, as a college student. But that was always a tradition, you know, for guys that usually, you know, you get a meal, you get a nap, you wake up, get yourself going, and then, you know, everyone's got their own subtlety as far as a routine. So, you know, I, I don't think it'll be a problem, but it is, it is you're going to be waiting around all day. 9.40 p.m. tip, do you have to, enough time to take a second nap? I still hope so, man. I mean, naps are so so crucial. I, I don't know. I feel like as an athlete, too, the way your schedule is with night games regardless, yeah. you just kind of have a different schedule because you want to peak, you know, when you're playing that game, right? So you just – for me, if I was going into that, I'd probably stay up a little bit, you know, later that week to kind of get my body right and get my mind right. So when 940 comes – but a lot of the, you know, adrenaline is going to be taken over, too. So yeah. um, you, you, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast started. It's just about – getting these guys as healthy as they can can get because everyone's dinged up just about every team has got something going on and so so that is that's a positive to the, the late tip friday yeah so i wanted to i wanted to ask you about that because you know it, obviously the situation with ucf losing in the first or, or not the first round but the second round their first game of the american um tournament and you know i thought coming in that that might have dropped us to a 10 seed and then you would avoid the one. But it seems to me like they basically had UCF almost locked into an 8-9 game regardless of what happened because that's where UCF ended up. So is there a real advantage to the fact that UCF got bounced in the tournament early because had they made a run, that's you know another 24, 48, maybe 72 hours that they would have been playing a game and not resting. Yeah, and if you go to the, the the championship game, I think the American is always the last game played, correct? Right, right. before selection Sunday. Yeah, that one in the Big so, Ten. Yeah, yeah. You, you're, yeah, you're so you're playing as late. So yeah, it just depends on who you ask. I mean, I think if you're looking downside, you know, you want to have momentum going into the tournament and playing your best basketball. So I think I think the way they lost in Memphis, I'm sure, you know, leaves a little bit of a you know bad taste in their mouth and wanting to get back on that floor pretty quickly um, to. To, to get back in the W column, but they've done so many good things this year. And the, the way that their schedule was structured and, and so difficult on the back end, which allowed them the opportunity to really punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. So yeah, that helped, but man, it's a grind when you're going to play, you know, Houston at home, a couple of, you know, then you're going to at Houston, you're going to Cincinnati, you got, then you go up at Temple, right. That's a very emotional game. We've, we've seen how good they can be. And then you play Memphis, in Memphis, which traditionally is, is, is very, very tough. And so they've, they've had a really, really tough stretch. And I think that prepares them well for the tournament. 
So I think when you look at this gap of like, okay, man, now we can just flush the season. We punched our ticket. We've been working so hard at this. Let's get healthy and let's go play our very, very best basketball. We're talking with Taylor Young, uh, analyst for UCF men's basketball on uh, UCFnights.tv and the UCF uh, radio network. All right, so let me ask you about um, the VCU Rams out of the A-10. So VCU got bounced in the uh, quarterfinals in the Barclays Center, the A-10 tournament, by the eight-seed Rhode Island. They were the regular season champion of the A-10. Um, and to put it in perspective, UCF was 23-8 and this year overall. VCU was 25-7. and So fairly similar records, and VCU ended up winning their conference uh, in the regular season, but they lose in the quarterfinals to URI, so they have some extra rest coming in. Um, what do you? What do you? What can you tell us about VCU um, from what you've been able to glean on them to this point, Taylor? And what kind of a matchup do they present for UCF in this uh, first round game? It's going to be a defensive battle. Um, you know, I, I haven't watched a full game of theirs this year. Um, but I, it's pretty amazing the story that they've been able to put together. I, th- I, th- I believe they were picked middle of the pack in their conference, maybe seventh or something like that preseason, and then end up just going bananas and one of the best defensive teams in the country. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, you, you think about a game like UCF Cincinnati where it's just a bloodbath defensively. It's a lot of, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, UCF has played a lot of – uh, elite teams defensively, and they're an elite team defensively. So I think yeah. that will be an interesting thing to watch. VCU traditionally, is, is, you know, will press you, um, which UCF's seen a lot of looks from a team like Memphis and their conference uh, to be able to handle that type of stuff. So again, what I'm going to look for in those teams that make runs in the NCAA tournament, um, you know, they put together like you think about the George Mason, you know, back in the day, and, mm-hmm. and the VCU in 2011. You know, you defend, but you're also able to free yourself offensively to, you know, make big shots when you need to make big shots to really, uh, you know, make some noise and upset people. So that's the one thing. If you look at a game like UCF, um, when they play really, really well offensively, you're like, man, that is a tough out. Like, that, right. that is – they're a complete team. They got a – you know, they have a great backcourt. They got a, a true big man. They, they got a wing that can do just about anything. And – and, and, and shoot it lights out. So when it's working, I, I really, really like like this team against a VCU. Um, and, and then if it's a defensive battle, UCF's shown that they can win those close ones late, even more so now uh, this year. They've, they've won a lot of close games. So that, that, that'll be an interesting matchup, but definitely a, a defensive battle for sure. Yeah. Their head coach, by the way, VCU, is uh, Mike Rhodes. Uh, you might remember now. You reference this, Taylor. People remember VCU from the run they made to the Final Four under Shaka Smart, who's now at Texas. But um, this is a uh, this is a VCU Ram team that won. Uh, let's see. I'm actually trying to count it up as as I, I think there was a third. They have a twelve or had a twelve or thirteen game winning streak late in the season from late January all the way up until uh, the A10 tournament uh, to finish out the season. And they're tenth in the country in scoring defense. They're only giving up. 61 points a game and they're sixth in field goal percentage defense at 38.4 percent given up so you're right this could be a real defensive battle because UCF is 13th in the nation in field goal percentage defense and 28th in scoring defense so um yeah this is going to be a battle and and uh it's it, it 
it does it, it does feel like this could be another one of those classic very close eight nine games where it comes down to the final possession and in that case you know and I'm interested to know what you thought about what you thought about this too Taylor is you know the last time we talked I think we all kind of agreed that we kind of hadn't quite yet seen UCF's best overall game as a team yet and I thought and believe it or not, I thought even against Houston that even in that game, UCF, even though they beat the number six team in the country, that they still hadn't quite put together a fully complete game. So, SMU? I, SMU? SMU, yeah. Okay, I'll give you SMU, yeah, Brian. Yeah, at home. But even – but even by 50. Well, yeah, I know. But that's but that's also a team that you – know, it's also, I mean, an SMU team that's really been struggling. Jeff's, like, a, Jeff's a hard grader there, Taylor. I yeah, I've got a really – paper and he'll, build, well, he'll take points away. I got, I got a tough group. Do, do you think that we, that, that we still haven't – do you think that we still could see the best of this team yet in this tournament? Yeah, so good point about the SMU game, right? You left the, the arena that night and you're like, Wow. And this team is really, really, really good, and I don't want to play them um, because because they're so complete on both sides of the floor when they're efficient offensively. So, you know, I, I look at a game like that, and, and if you play like that, man, you're going to have no problem competing with, with anybody in the country. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot left to be desired. I, I think what you're referencing outside of a game like SMU at home is – you know, this team, even when they've gotten some big wins, they, they didn't play perfect. You know, they, they right. just, they, 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 they did some really good things, but they, they didn't play perfect. And sometimes uh, offensively, I feel like specifically, I keep going back here because the effort level's always there. The, the, the defensive intensity is always there. I mean, it's a, it's a joy to watch UCF defend. And then offensively, sometimes they can go through lulls where, there's just these four to six minute stretch that they just have a tough time scoring or getting something going. And then they'll have a stretch where they're pounding inside and dominating you and, and taco falls dunking on everybody in the arena. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's what I'm looking for is to see which team is able to show up offensively. And especially in a neutral site, you know, there's going to be nerves. Um, this is a really big nationally televised game. Like you mentioned. So, you know, I really hope that we come with a mentality that is really freeing ourselves up to, to go compete and have a blast and, and, and win the game. Um, and, and I think I think they will. I think this 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 NCAA tournament birth thing was probably a monkey on their back, really, for the last like month and a half, two months, knowing yeah. what's at stake and knowing the at large bid. And, and, and so the minute you punch your ticket, you've kind of been, you know, you're now you're legitimate. Right. Now we believe you're good enough to be here, and you know now you can maybe come come get their best performance of the year on Friday. So uh, that's what I just look on the offensive side and say, look, if you play like that SMU game, I mean you're, you're probably going to beat just about anybody in the country, and and it's just offensively whether they can put together those type of stretches or avoid you know, some of the, the challenging stretches as far as rhythm offensively. Right. All right. Taylor Young joining us uh, to break down UCF making the NCAA tournament. T.Y., are you going to make the trip up to Columbia? You know, I am. I'm working through some things. Um, I got a personal commitment Saturday um, for, for, for a wedding I, I'm, I'm in. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm going to work through some things, but I, I'm 100% will be um, at the game Sunday, if we are able to get a win, 
Um, and I'm still working on Friday to see if, see if I can make, make Friday happen. So we'll, we'll see, man, but it's, it's historic. So I'm hoping, um, you know, for UCF fans that they can, they can make the trip and move some stuff around cause and make it happen. Cause I know that, you know, that, that, that this fan base, when it travels and, and especially, you know, the, the, the basketball fans have been waiting for a moment like this. Mm-hmm. It's huge to, to have a great presence there and support for your team. All right, Taylor Young, once again, joining us here to break down UCF and uh, VCU and the Knights making the NCAA tournament uh, for the first time in uh, 14 years. And, and real quick, T.Y., where were you the last time UCF was, uh, was in the tournament? Because you, you were still in high school at the time. Is that right? I, I was still in high school, man. So, yeah, the, I, I believe what was it, 0405? So 2005, yeah. Two years before I got there? Yeah. Yeah, I was 06, 07 was my first year. So, you know, I got to know a lot of those guys, yeah. um, even even the ones that graduated just through playing pickup when I first got to UCF. And uh, the, there were some really good teams. But, but it, it's, it's now a fun conversation would be, you know, is this, is this the best UCF basketball team ever? Um, mm-hmm. what, what's that look like? And, 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 you know, I think, I think that they make a very, very strong ar- argument that that would be the case for sure. Well, it's going to be fun to watch and we can't wait to see them Friday night at 9:40 PM UCF and VCU. All right, TY, we'll let you go. Thanks again, man. Safe travels. Uh, if you're heading, uh, as you head up to Columbia and, uh, and, uh, well, you know, balancing around weddings and stuff this time of year, man, it's crazy in the spring, but, uh, safe driving. Okay. Sucks being an adult, right? <laughs> Sucks being an adult. All right. Yeah, it'll All be right, fun. guys. Thanks, T.Y. Appreciate having me on. All right. Thanks, T.Y. I'll talk to you a little bit. All right. We'll be right back, and we'll continue to break, break down UCF's uh, trip to the NCAAs in just a second. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. Welcome back once again to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Uh, Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you here. Thanks again to T.Y. Taylor Young for joining us earlier to talk about the Knights making the NCAA tournament. They will, they're in the 8-9 game as a 9C. They will play the VCU Rams in the first round in Columbia, South Carolina, Friday night, 9.40 p.m. Winner will likely get the number one overall seed, Duke Blue Devils. Likely? In the, uh, in the, in these, well, hey, it's, it's a, it's a non-zero chance, but, um, because <clears throat> you never know. If Duke, lo- if, if Duke loses, that's the biggest upset in the history of sports, right? And you get to I be there it. to see it, Bimmer. And you get to, yeah, that's right, Murph. I would be there to see it. How yeah, great is that? Yeah. No, so. it, it, it would be bigger than, obviously, the Jets and the Colts or even, like... Uh, USA, uh, USSR? Yeah, it would definitely be bigger. Um, Yeah, or I would, I'm trying to think of, like, you know, some some qualifier who won the U.S. Open or something. I don't know. Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. <clears throat> Buster, Buster Douglas, there you go. That would be bigger than yeah. Buster Douglas? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, well... <clears throat> That's neither here nor there. We don't care about any of that. Let's talk about <laughs> um, let's talk about this game right here that's in front of UCF um, VCU. Oh, by <clears> the way, <throat> yeah, Let, let's get through that first. Um, this is the A10 champ in the regular season, so this is a good yep. team. Um, <clears throat> they finished twenty five and seven on the year. Uh, I got their team sheet pulled up from the NCAA. They um, they were two and two in their quad one games. Uh, lost um, at Virginia by eight. To give you an idea, uh, they beat Texas by one. Uh, they also beat Dayton, uh, and those were um, <clears throat> excuse me, those were were those home games? No, those are away games. And they also well, they won at Texas. I know they won at yeah, Texas. they won that at was one of their yeah. And, and interestingly enough, they beat their old coach, Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart, right? 
Um, 60. Lost to St. John's by a point. Beat Temple, by the way. Common opponent, yes. 57-51. Uh, also beat Wichita in- State. And they, yep. yeah, they did also beat Wichita State to set, and beat it pretty bad too at home, seventy to fifty four. Uh, the Temple game, game was on the Temple game was on a neutral court, so yeah, that's true. Um, they uh, what else did they have? They also um, lost to Davidson. That was their other Q one game. They got bounced in their first game of the uh, of the conference tournament. They lost to uh, Rhode Island third time that they actually played. They actually lost to Rhode Island twice this year, but. Um, but they come in also well rested, <laughs> and uh, and they they weren't really a bubble team. They was expected that obviously it was expected to get in as, as the conference regular season champ. But um, I don't know, what, Murph. I'll start with you. What do you make of this matchup? And uh, and what do you, is it going to be the defensive battle that you that uh, Ty was telling us he thought it would be? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, like like you guys talked about with Ty, like. Uh, you know, uh, VCU ranks among the top ten in the nation in defensive two-point and three-point defense. Uh, I think they're in the top ten in effective field goal percentage. Like you can throw all these defensive stats out. Um, you know, and they create a lot of steals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're defensively really strong. They do not shoot it well at all. Uh, they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the nation. Um, they're kind of like UCF, but with a little faster tempo. They kind of play a little bit more of pace. Um, all of that is to say that uh, it's not surprising where UCF is is slotted. It was so funny when Duke was revealed as first as the overall number one. Mm-hmm. Somebody, a, Mem- a Memphis writer, said, "So where do you think UCF's going to be?" And I said, "Right in the next pod, and right in the next pod in about thirty seconds." <laughs> and sure enough, there they were. There they and were. Really, I have, and really, I have not really seen much of the other much of the bracket because I've been like kind of working since then. So I really don't know what else is going on. Um, but uh, don't I, I worry, we've got major, you covered. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, guys. I think one of the major issues of this game, obviously, is uh, what's the status of Marcus Evans, the lead guard for VCU? Uh, in that game against Rhode Island, he went down badly and it looked awful. He was holding his left knee, he was down for about five minutes. He actually came back on the bench. They diagnosed him with a hyperextended left knee and a deep bone bruise. Ouch. Uh, structurally, they say he's fine, so nothing is torn. But uh, deep bone bruises don't heal quickly, um, and and so they they you know tentatively said he's gonna he's expected to be back for the tournament, um, but I think it's questionable. And he is their leading scorer. He really is their leader. Uh, he's a junior, and this is a team that really only has one senior in its major rotation. DCU mm-hmm. um, is very deep. They play nine guys at least fifteen minutes a night, um, but only one of them is a senior and. And really, only and and so Marcus at 13 points a game is their leading scorer. Otherwise, there's Dariante Jenkins, who's kind of a lengthy, sort of stretch guard forward shooter. Um, Marco Santos Silva is their big man. He's averaging 10 and seven. I mean, he's a big man at six foot seven, I believe. So there's a size advantage for UCF, obviously. Um, but if Marcus Evans is uh, is compromised in any way. Uh, you know, you know, it's too bad, but it'd be a huge uh, up, uplift for UCF, at least offensively, because really, without him, BCU's offense is already it's worse than it already is. Eric, how do you see this breaking down? Well, Murph hit it. They're nine deep. Uh, they're good defensive team. What's interesting? They're not really big. Uh, you know, you look at their like the re- leading rebounder is Marcus Santos Silva. He's about six seven. 
Uh, Corey Douglas, who's a transfer out of Rice, is 6'8". So I think UCF's got a size advantage here, Murph, and, I, and, and guys. And I think one of the keys here, UCF's got to win the boards. Um, I think possessions are going to be really a premium here. It's very valuable. Uh, the thing that concerns me here, is, as Murph brought it up, if ECU turn, you know, they like to turn you over. And I think UCF at times when they have struggled offensively and as, as, as T, you know, as Taylor mentioned, have their droughts, sometimes they kind of get a little too, uh, turn the ball over a little bit too much there. And I think that's going to be very interesting to see um, in that regard. I, I, I think that's going to be, can UCF dominate the boards? And I would expect VCU to try to uh, stretch out Taco. And it'll be interesting how VCU uh, looks at Taco. Because, you know, if you follow the last couple of years on the broadcast, people always talk, the opponents always talk about how it's one thing to prepare for Taco in practice. But when you see it live in person, it is a bit of an adjustment for VCU. So um, it's a very intriguing matchup from that standpoint. I, I really do, because both teams, you're right, have question marks from the perimeter. Um, and I think it's going to come down to which defense can turn the other over and I think rebounding, second chances, uh, because you're not going to get a clean look against VCU. And I think Terrell Allen Murph is a big factor. He's got to play well and run that offense. Him and BJ, you got you got to run that offense and can't be sloppy with the basketball. And all of a sudden, you're down to eight in the shot clock, and you have no idea what you're doing with your offense. That's going to be, I think, a key factor in this game. Yeah, yeah, and because I mean, we see it a lot, and you saw it today. Actually, if you watch the AAC title game with Cincinnati and Houston, sometimes your shots don't. Sometimes your shots don't fall. Houston is a great shooting team who couldn't hit the side of a barn today. Uh, I think they shot 28%. Sometimes that happens. Uh, you know, it just, you know, so you're not always going to be on your best shooting night, but that doesn't mean you can facilitate, that doesn't mean you can't facilitate offense by getting the ball inside of the mid range, getting into the paint and, and sort of operating from there. And obviously Terrell and BJ can do that. And so Colin Smith, Taco's got to get position on the, on the block and they can do that. And if Aubrey, is is you know at least proficient and at least good enough to be average as a shooter in this game. It's it, that would be gigantic because I think it's really I, I think his performance is really what's more, what's most critical. Is I think they're gonna be able to score inside, but I do th- I, but I really think the extra edge is can, how much can they get from the perimeter? How much do they get from Deion Griffin? You know and 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 Aubrey and so uh, that'll be something to watch. Also uh, to go back on the point that was brought up. Uh, VCU is is I would say average rebounding. You know overall, I think they're like seventh in rebounding margin. Yeah. Uh, in the in the A10, uh, they're they're better on the offensive glass than the defensive glass, but it's not like a major difference. We've seen teams that even though they don't have size, are really good rebounding teams like Houston. Uh, but with VCU, it, it's it, they are pretty average. UCF, you know, does have a size advantage there, and this is a team that they can sort of force their will on yeah it's, well, by it's the a, way there's one guy by the way there's one guy on the ucf roster that has played vcu Colin uh, smith. that would be yeah Colin yeah. smith in the a10 he played him a couple years ago in fact i'm looking at the box scores he had 10 points and eight rebounds uh in one of their losses they got blown out in one of the games but then the other game was like a one point ball game uh so colin could be a fact, an X factor here in this game. I mean, you talk about size. I think UCF's got to win with size, and Colin has played VCU. He got 30 minutes in that one of those games. Uh, I think that's where. I mean, that is, the odds of you know finding a player that's played against him is very unique. So I'm very curious, Murph, and I'm sure you'll talk as you get media availability throughout the week. That'll be an interesting storyline with Colin Smith having played VCU back when he was at GW. Yeah, and, and I I do think that, that 
the other advantage that it bodes for UCF from that perspective is it, when I look at VCU's defensive statistics, and like you were mentioning, Murph, the categories that they seem to lead everything in were or, or, or were not related to front court players. They, they are a fairly you know average to above average rebounding team, but you know they were tops in the A10 in steals, tops in turnover margin, tops in turnovers forced. And that tells me that steals per game um, and a three-point percentage, field goal percentage defense, that tells me that what that the real catalyst for their defense is the backcourt. So it's going to be up to B.J. Taylor and, like you said, Eric, Terrell Allen to really have a good game against VCU if they're going to have – if they're going to have uh, – uh, if the Knights are going to have success, and it closer, and it also opens up some opportunities for the front court players as well, and I do think Colin is going to be uh, key to that. Let me ask and that backcourt. That backcourt defense is again headed by Marcus Evans, who yeah. leads the team in steals. His injury really flips this game either way, whether he's going to be you know good enough to go or not. And again, he's got maybe a week. He's got a week to get over a deep bone bruise, which is not a lot of time. Yeah, I know, but well, and that's significant <clears throat> with the backcourt matchup. Them defending Aubrey and BJ is a factor. I mean, one of the things when UCF has struggled, and we saw that in the Memphis game, even in the tournament. I mean, Aubrey didn't get a lot of shots out, and that's that's going to be interesting to see the the ball defender. There's a lot of intriguing matchups. This is one of the better first round matchups of the entire tournament, and you know it's going to have a marquee spotlight here. I mean, yeah. this is what it's about. It's about the best of the best. And I, you know, we've, we've gone back and forth on the seedings, 8, 9, 7, 10. These teams are all good. I mean, I don't care who you are. You know, 7 to 10, they're all about the same. And if you don't show up to play, you're going to get beat. I don't care what seed you are. Yeah. Well, let's, let, let's talk about that for a second because <clears throat> in the final net rankings, UCF ended up 30th. VCU, coincidentally, is 34th. How do you guys feel, Murph, I want to start with you. How do you guys feel about where UCF landed? Not just from the fact that they're in the 8-9 game, but the fact that they're in the same pod as Duke, the number one overall seed. The fact that I think they were the 34th ranked seed of the play, of the teams in the tournament. Uh, and also from the fact that uh, they're playing in Columbia, South Carolina. Granted, it's not Jacksonville, where I think a lot of people were hoping UCF would go, but still in the Southeast. They're in... Uh, Columbia, South Carolina playing in that late game. I mean, it, how, how do you feel about where they landed in the bracket, Murph? I feel great. It really, I mean, I'm totally good with it because one, because <laughs> you get to drive. I don't have, because I don't have to fly anywhere. That's awesome. I get to drive seven hours and it's going to be way easy. Well, you could drive uh, to San Jose, but I mean, you'd have to leave tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to do that, Jeffrey. So, and, and the seeding was not surprising. I thought they'd drop a little bit after the loss to Memphis, and I think the the projections kind of bared that out over the last couple of days. And uh, talked to Mike O'Donnell, uh, who was here today, obviously because he's one of the faces for the uh, AAC's uh, coverage of this tournament. And I asked him what he thought was going to happen today, and he said nine, and I agreed. And uh, you know, I I thought Jacksonville was never feasible. They were never going to give UCF as a nine seed that kind of home court advantage. But, you know, I expect them to be on that eight, nine line mm-hmm. and they would probably keep them in the southeast. And that probably meant Duke or, you know, well, it could have been New Duke or Virginia or something like that. But regardless, uh, they were going to be in that in that area. And so considering what I expected, which was they're going to be on the nine and, and, and you know, that's that's what it's going to be. It kind of played out the best I could have hoped for. 
both for me personally <laughs> and, and and the matchup. Because again, even if UCF wins this game, all right, so they might get completely trucked by Duke, but you still get to play Duke, and like that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, amen to that. Well, I mean, obviously, I, you know me. Oh. I'm always like, ah, just let's get through that first one. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sure. get... but they're all tough. I mean, the first point. I mean, I mean, this. I mean, by the way, I did predict. I did call this Sunday morning. Um, and you I don't absolutely, care what the, absolutely did. I did call this, and I don't care what any committee member says. They could talk all they want about. Oh, we don't. You know, we don't look for unique matchups. We see them, and it just so happens to play out that way. Whatever. nonsense. Otherwise, it's, what you think it's a coincidence that Richard Patino in Minnesota are going to play Louisville? What did that just happen to be a coincidence? <laughs> yeah, right. And is in this case, Johnny, Johnny Dawkins, Dawkins against Coach K, possibly. Yep. Against well, Coach and, K in that matchup. Yeah. yeah. And you know who the athletics director at Duke is? That's right, Danny That's White's right. Danny White's dad. Danny White's father. Yeah. Kevin White. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey now. Well then, but just coincidence. So I'm not. I wasn't surprised. I had a feeling this was coming. I just had a feeling. Thanks for great television. The only, thing, <laughs> the only thing that I missed that was disappointing that would have even made this even much more juicier. Like it would have been if they would have paired him up with Iowa, and you would have had Kirk Sparrow <laughs> on the opposite side. I mean, I would have that would have been just unbelievable. But you know, VCU is very good, and. Um, you know, under the circumstances, I think they – I mean, that's about right. I don't think you could say, well, they should have been higher seed or not. I think that's about right uh, considering yeah. what their season was as a body of work. And, look, they're going to be a marquee team. If they get past VCU, which is a big if because I think it's a toss-up game. I mean, I think it's a heck of a game. Um, but if you get a chance to get past that game, I understand it's Duke and you're a huge underdog. But there's going to be so many eyeballs on that game. And yeah. if you did the impossible, if you knocked off UCF, not only would that be the greatest UCF oh, You mean if you knocked off Duke, Duke, rather. Right, right. What did I say? You said if you knocked off UCF. Well, well, that would have been interesting in itself, how you knock each other. But if you knock right. off Duke, if you do the impossible, <laughs> you will be remembered forever for 20 to 30 years from now. They'll be talking about that game. And I would go a step further. It would not only be the most incredible achievement in UCF basketball history, greatest moment. It would be the greatest moment in UCF athletics history, period. Period. You're going well, to go against Well, it would be up there. <laughs> it's number one. In clear, if they pulled off a win against Duke, which this is a Duke team that's going to be very memorable, that arguably has on its roster the guy that's going to be the face of basketball for the next decade in Zion yep. Williamson. That is remarkable. Not to mention there's two other lottery picks on this team. with Perhaps, a three, head perhaps three other lottery picks. With, yeah. With, Trey right. with arguably the greatest college basketball coach, if not – basketball coach period in the history of the sport and coach k uh this is significant this is significant on a lot of levels uh, if they get that opportunity and, and to me if i'm ucf there's i mean this is fun this, there's no pressure there's fun you got a chance to play in the ncaa tournament which you've grown up with you're playing a, a great team in bcu and then you you know you hopefully get that first ever program win and if you do that, you get to play Duke and play David and Goliath. I mean, this is what it's about. It's as Murph likes to say, this is sports. Easy, 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 easy. Um, I want to talk about the American uh, as a whole, real quick. So UCF gets in as a nine, um, playing against VCU. Uh, Cincinnati, uh, fresh off winning the conference tournament, they will play Iowa in the seven ten since he's the seven. 
Uh, the opposite side of them is Tennessee and Colgate in the 215. Frankie coaches there. Fran McCaffrey and Mick Cronin there. Yep. Um, what else? Houston, having lost today, like you said earlier, uh, Murph, they are uh, they they're a three seed. They will play Georgia State. Um, uh, the uh, our old uh, A Sun Conference mates uh, in the three fourteen, and uh, Temple. It turns out did sneak in. They are in the uh, play in game on t- for Tuesday night against Belmont, another former uh, UCF conference mate from the A Sundays. Uh, so in that 11 versus 11 game on True TV uh, on uh, on March the 19th, so four bids for the American. I think if you're uh, if you're Mike Oresco, you got to be really happy with that, no Murph? Absolutely, uh, it was great to see Temple get in. Really thought they were on the bubble, and, and really thought they were like just on like the the like the precipice of the bubble. And yeah. sure enough, turns they out the they were. In. <laughs> yeah, sure enough, yeah. Um, and, and so, and then not only that, but you also get uh, Memphis and Wichita State into the NIT. So half the league yeah. is playing in major postseason national tournaments, and that's big. Now, hilariously, on the CBS broadcast, uh, they they listed the number of like uh, power conference teams to non-power conference teams, I believe, mm-hmm. in, in in the tournament for, for like the last six years, and. They they listed like power. Here are the power six conferences, and they listed six conferences, and not one of them was the American. One was the Pac-12, and the other one right. was the Big East. Uh, both of which, you, well, you see, well, both well, AAC has as many bids as the Big East, I believe, and Oresco would like a word, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and and more than the uh, Pac-12. So it, it just it, it was kind of weird, but again, the AAC is kind of being you know looked down upon again. It's fine, but again, it's a big, it was a big day for the AAC to get half their league into, into tournaments and to get four into the NCAA's. Uh, it's the best you could have hoped for after yesterday, and they got it. So let me especially, ask you, especially by the way, especially when I talked to Mike Oresco at the football game against Cincinnati. I mean, his tone was, "Hey, you know, I think we're a good league, but it's really a transition year. We're really going to be good in a year or two. Well, guess what? They're ahead of schedule. Well, I mean, yeah, four four teams. Uh, it's, a, it's a great success with a team in Houston that perhaps you hope can make a deep run. Uh, Cincinnati, the only thing that was disappointing, I thought seven seed, you know, they win the American Conference Tournament. It just shows you, in my opinion, that the committee doesn't even pay attention to the tournament at the, the last day. It seems to me like they were going to be a seven seed no matter what happened. The last yeah, I, that was surprising because I said right after that game, that's the kind of game that can bolt you up a full seed line. Remember UCF? Yeah basically went up two seed lines after they won at won Houston. Right. So that's a kind of game in a conference tournament that can, win, that can go, move, move you up a seed line. And Cincinnati stays at a seven. That seems like the committee had already made its choice of where to put Cincinnati regardless of the result, and it seemed wrong. So I agree. So let me ask you this then. Do we think that uh, how many American teams could possibly make it to the second weekend? I know obviously we think that Houston could since they're a three seed, but – could we see Cincinnati getting there? Could we see? Um, I, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about UCF because you know, obviously, that would require them getting past Duke, and we're not going to go there yet. But um, <laughs> they, but uh, but what about say Temple? Could they get through that uh, um, that East Region 11-11? They have to play obviously the extra game, but um, in that 11 matchup, they would play if the, assuming they get through Belmont, they would get Maryland, and then L- either LSU or Yale. But um, could we see more than one American team making it to the second weekend? 
No. No? All right. What do you think, Eric? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the bracket right now. I mean I wouldn't put it past Cincinnati. I know they would you know, get you know, I know they would likely get Tennessee in the second round, but you don't think Cincinnati would have a shot against Tennessee with their defense? Yeah, they would they would have a shot. Are you asking me if I would take Cincinnati over Tennessee? Uh, probably not. I mean, I, I just think inside, like, there's just too much of Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. Like, like Cincinnati wants to play tough, and Tennessee wants to play tougher. <laughs> it, it, they're really playing yeah, their own. Point. They're really playing the same game, and so it, I think Tennessee is just gonna. It, they just bully you, and plus their guards like Jordan Bone is really who's really underrated. So they they can get they can beat you both ways. Whereas Cincinnati, yeah. as we saw today, kind of needs Jaron Cumberland to carry. Right, right. All right. I kind of agree with Murph on that. I think that's a tough draw there. And I think Temple can beat Maryland. The problem is I don't know if they can beat Belmont. I think Belmont's really good. That's a toss-up I agree game. with you know, that. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think the winner – I would. I'm going to – whoever wins the Temple-Belmont game, I think beats Maryland and gets to the Sweet 16. And, look, at that point, I think it's wide open because I think LSU is vulnerable with the interim coach and with everything they've gone through. And I think, again, I, I cannot underestimate what a phenomenal job, by the way, they did. I love the Louisville-Minnesota matchup, but that's a, a whole other story. But, yeah, I, I think Temple, if they can get past Belmont, has a chance to make a run in Fran Duffy's swan song. But, again, I don't know if they can get past Belmont. That's the tricky part about that. And then as far as Houston – and, and Murph, you brought this up in the last episode. So Houston plays today in the championship game. Yeah. Now they got they're flying out. I don't know if they're flying out tonight, if they flew out tonight, or flying I'm out Monday. Sure, they're whatever. gone. Yeah, they're probably gone. They got to come back and play Thursday, right? Is that when they're Friday? That's when they're, they're Friday, Friday to the twenty second. Okay, so they did get a Friday. Okay, well that they helps. They did get an extra day. Yeah. I was definitely worried about that. I didn't see that in the schedule, but you know Georgia State is a frisky team right off the bat. Uh, so you know if they don't, if Houston doesn't shoot the ball like Murph said, they could have some tr- tricky stuff with Georgia State. And then who are they getting in the if they were to get past Georgia State in the six eleven? They would get Iowa State, Ohio State. I mean, which Iowa State team is going to show up? I have no idea. That's the thing. No I mean, idea. You tell me which which Cyclone team is going to show up, and I'll tell you if it's result or not. Uh, the problem with Houston is I don't. They can get to the Sweet Sixteen. I just don't see them beating Kentucky uh, in the Sweet Sixteen. So they would need some help, I think, at that point. Um, not that Kentucky's invincible, but I, that's a tricky matchup for Houston. They would have to play at a high level there. And the problem is, if they even if they were to get past Kentucky, they got I don't think they have a shot against North Carolina because North Carolina loves to run the ball. I, I don't think they can match up. But I think Sweet 16 is probably for Houston's bet. I think Houston and Temple maybe are your best shots at the second weekend. And I will add, too, for Houston, uh, Corey Davis, it was admitted after the game by Kelvin Sampson. Corey Davis, their basically lead scorer and sharpshooting uh, guard, has a hip strain. Uh, so it, it, it doesn't sound like it's a minor thing. Actually, it was something that Corey really bothered him today. He really struggled, and Kelvin really reduced his minutes and basically told him to sit out uh, a good portion of the second half. Uh, to, to, to sort of rest the injury. And so that's, again, it's another major injury to watch for Houston. Yeah. All right. So um, <clears throat> we'll have a link to the full bracket uh, on our – actually, we'll have it in the show notes here as well so you can take a look at it. But, all right, stick around. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. All right. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you talking about UCF going to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 14 years, let's overall, you know, what do we think about the NCAA field as of right now? Do we have any uh, 
Do you guys have? I mean, I'm always I always have an open mind on these things because at the end of the day, you know, no, like in three weeks, no one's going to really care about who got left out and and all that. But how do you, how do you guys think that they uh, that they did uh, putting the bracket together um, this year? I thought that at least in terms of the teams from the American, I agree with what you said about you know Cincinnati getting the seven. I mean, you could have flipped them with Villanova in the six, having if they had if they had won the game, but. Um, you know, obviously, it, and it, and they did, and then they kept him at a seven. But um, overall, I think the bracket was pretty was pretty fair. I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually thrilled for one particular thing. Number one, UCF doesn't have to play Syracuse in the first round <laughs> because uh, Syracuse is also in an eight nine game. Uh, they are um, where's that where's that side? They're on the Gonzaga that's out side. West. Yeah, that's Gonzaga, out west, yeah. and they're playing Baylor in the first round. Um, and I also wanted to uh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Erica. What did you think about the whole thing? Say, the thing? The thing that's exciting is UCF got in easily. It wasn't like, hey, they're in the playing game. Hey, they were one of the last four. They were clearly in. And I yeah. think that's my biggest takeaway for this program. It's the first time in the history of this program they've made it as an at-large. Uh, so let's, that's my takeaway from there. Uh, you know, the committee did a pretty good job. I, I, you know, I was surprised that St. John's got in. I thought TCU would get in. But I think part of that is I think TCU is involved in the FBI stuff. And I think there's some political stuff there that probably left them out. Be that Ooh, I take there from Eric Lopez. All right, carry on. It's me. It's just like the history. <laughs> the other issue I have, I don't understand how Michigan State got placed with Duke as a two, considering Michigan State's a six seed. I would have put Michigan State actually as a one seed over Gonzaga. Uh, Michigan State was. You mean Michigan State was the number six overall seed? Correct. Right. But yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're placed with yes. Duke, right? Like I don't right. get that. Uh, I and actually think. Uh, I actually think Jeff Syracuse is going to beat Gonzaga in the second round, and I think Syracuse I'm is going to make you another. Think that. <laughs> I think well because they play zone and they're athletic, and it, and it's funny because Baylor plays a zone too. So if you if you love zones, Syracuse Baylor is your game. Um, and- but. Yeah, yeah, and I was I will say we're getting way off course, but Gonzaga does does struggle to shoot it. Yep. Sometimes Zach Nor- sometimes Zach Norvell is good, sometimes Zach Nor- Norvell is awful. Um, so First team to forty wins. Been, if 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 you want a truth, if you want to talk about from a UCF standpoint, what would have been the best route to get to the Sweet Sixteen? I actually would have gone. I wish they would have played Gonzaga. The problem is, I actually and Jeff, you might be or the more the expert. I think Syracuse would have been a bad matchup for UCF because of that zone. Uh, we've seen yeah. UCF struggle against the zone. So, it, you know, that's the way the sport works. Sometimes you get a good first-round matchup and a bad second round. Sometimes you get a good first, you know, bad first round, but you might have a good – the bottom line is seeds, whatever you can nitpick and all that, but you just got to play well. And if UCF plays well, they'll have a chance to win uh, against VCU. And if they don't, they're going to get beat, and it's as simple as that. What do you think, Murph? Uh, I agreed with the teams that were not in the tournament. I- I'm totally great – with Indiana not getting in and Texas not getting in and NC State not getting in. I know there's there's some tears shed for UNC Greensboro, but I thought generally that's the thing we go to most is who got snubbed. And I didn't really think there was a lot of people that got snubbed here. And I think that's a successful bracket. I never have a um, problem with Texas getting snubbed out of anything, but go ahead. Well, it's just it's what we talked about, right? What would you rather see? You would rather see a team like Belmont whom yes. as good, no matter how good they are, they are they are a mid-major team. You'd rather see them play the big boys. Now they got to get through Temple first, and it's kind of a big boy, but not really. Uh, but you would rather see that than NC State or Indiana. You absolutely yeah. would. Um, so yeah. I'm glad they did that. I'm glad they rewarded Belmont for a really, really, really exceptional season 
even though they didn't have the quality wins on their schedule because they didn't have the chances to get those kind of quality wins. They rewarded them for winning, period. Right. right. Preach. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> I do, before we go, I do want to pour one out real quick for um, Fairleigh Dickinson University. It located in uh, beautiful Madison, New Jersey. Um, a, a school with which I'm familiar because the Giants used to have their training camp there, and I used to actually go there to watch the Giants at Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, it, it has the it has some of the funnier nicknames for uh, for schools. They're actually in one of the sixteen sixteen playing games. In fact, I think they're in the first game. Is that right? Yeah, they're in the very first game against Prairie View. Um, Fairly Dickinson, uh, they, they they used to call it, my father used to tell me they used to call it uh, Funkadoo U in the 70s. Um, so there's that. Um, if you, <laughs> I, I, I know this is way off track, but uh, people in New Jersey also used to call it Fairly Ridiculous. Um, but um, but they're, they're in the tournament. They, and coincidentally, they're also called the Knights. So, uh, so yeah, we're, I'm rooting for the Knights and I'm rooting for the Knights. Um yeah, I had. I, I'm with you, Murph. I had no problem. I mean, yeah, a little sad for UNC Greensboro, but in the end, I think they got the bracket right. Um, I, I, yeah, I, and, and I'm also with you, Eric, in that I would have loved to have seen you know an easier path for UCF to get to the second weekend. Um, but then again, here we are complaining about that when UCF has never won an NCAA tournament game. It's been 14 years. It's, you it's, know, it's fine. Never been in the tournament right. in, in a decade and a half and has never won an NCAA tournament game. Right. Um, and getting the first at large bid in school history and you get the chance against a VCU team that's very good that you want to measure yourself up against. And then, like you said, Eric, taking the big stage, likely against, if they get through VCU, you know, playing on the big stage once again against Duke. And how about UCF this year? Like Taylor was telling us earlier, we talked about the big stage for football Saturday night, college game day, and and, and playing Cincinnati with uh, Fowler and Herb Street on ABC National Television in prime time in football season, and then here in the NCAA tournament when you know the bulk of the 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 country begins start uh, begins to start paying attention to college basketball, you very well could see UCF playing against Zion Williamson and Coach K and Duke um, in a prime time game in the second round on the weekend. So. Um, I mean, you might, but you're probably getting Bill Raftery to call your game, and I can see it now. And all right, Jim, you, are, you see. By us the way, you going, are getting Bill you Raftery. are getting Raftery. You are getting yeah. official beautifuls. I mean, yeah. that's that's the marquee team. I mean, Tracy Wolfson. I mean, you're gonna. I mean, that's gonna be Johnny Dawkins. I mean, that's the you know. It's, I mean, it's laughable. It's some of the idiots out there that just just they just enjoy complaining. I mean, people criticizing Johnny Dawkins is ridiculous to me. What this guy has brought to the program, forget the on-the-court accomplishments, but off the court, this guy has brought instant credibility to this program. And you saw it in the And he doesn't even have a team that's full of his own recruits yet. Correct. I mean, you got a Jay Billis hanging out with him on UCF's sidelines during a marquee game. You got, you know, you're going to have here, uh, Grant Hill probably talking about Johnny Dawkins. They're going to be talking about the, the program and you know, you're going to have a moment here. I cannot wait when UCF hopefully... Well, it's not going to happen because UCF has not lost a tip to, uh, in like two years, right, uh, Murph? So, we won't, unfortunately, we won't get to hear Murph say uh, UCF coming out in... Man, man. Yeah. 
maybe there's a, like a violation, but that's going to be awesome. I mean, and it's funny, me and Murph were in Amway Center last year. And we're like, man, there's Jim Nance. This is Jim Nance. And I, you know, I got to meet Jim Nance, by the way. And so did Murph. Oh, yeah. Murph. And then, and then Elo hands me his phone and go, Brian, take a, pic- take a picture of me and Jim Nance. And that's his Facebook so profile. So that's how you got that profile. That's his Twitter profile, yeah. okay. by the way, guys. Uh-huh. That picture that's on Elo's Twitter profile, that's my photography work. So, yes. Murph, I mean, you've got, you've got an Pulitzer you've level. Got an, you've got an in with Nance. You could just say, "Hey, I, you know, I met you in the American Conference. That weirdo took the you took the photo of that weirdo sure. that guy. You know, I'm the guy in the I, wheelchair. It's unbelievable." I, I, I want I want to say this: the most important part of all of this isn't the game against the VCU or the game against Duke. It's this right now. It's right. Sunday night. It's Monday. Oh. It's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. It's Thursday. It is the ability that you are in the tournament. For the first time in almost 15 years, there are many classes of UCF athletes who have come and gone and have not made it to this stage. It is hard to get here. Enjoy this. Enjoy people talking about UCF tonight. Obviously, by the time you're listening to this, you know, Bracketology on ESPN has already aired. CBS Sports Network has already had their three-hour show on. And then that'll keep people keep going throughout the entire week. Enjoy this ride in this four or five days before the game start because yeah. then it, it ends. It ends abruptly. It ends abruptly and suddenly and way too soon for every team but one. Right. So don't worry about the games and the matchups. Really, don't listen to this podcast at all because we just talked about things that don't matter. What does matter? Well, don't. Is well, hell, you know, <laughs> what does and on that note, what does matter is that you're in and you should celebrate this. Period. Yeah. Well, we're going to celebrate it here. By the way, Murph's got a – I mean, Murph's head's spinning everywhere right now because he's figuring out how to get to South Carolina. And he's actually – probably him and Mark Daniels right now are figuring out, can I be at baseball against East Carolina and at basketball? How am I going to pull that uh, off? Ah, you uh, guys. You know, like if, if UCF loses on Friday night, obviously yeah. if they win, then I can't go anywhere. But if they lose on Friday night to VCU, do I dare drive out – to Greenville, North Carolina, four hours oh, away. Like, to watch stop acting this. like you don't know the answer to that. You know already. I if you know. ECU, man, the preseason, one of the preseason favorites for the conference. Hey, hey, I, we got momentum. I, hey, we got momentum. As I texted Merv, we got momentum because baseball just took care of VCU two out of three. All right, so we we, we got right. momentum. Ah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Um, so, but no, listen, Merv's right. Enjoy this. This is awesome. This is 14 years. I mean, put it in perspective. I had never been to a softball game the last time UCF men's basketball <laughs> made the NCAA tournament. I've uh, called now softball for like 12, 13 years going. I had been to like literally no softball games. Jeff, you were still what? what you had you weren't even in town. What were you doing in you were, were you at Syracuse in 05? No, I at 05, I, I was a senior. It was actually the one of the yeah. last things I did as a UCF student was call the uh, A-Sun championship game against Gardner-Webb that pushed UCF mm-hmm. into the... Uh, that pushed UCF into the NCAA uh, championships. I, I didn't get to go to the game that they lost uh, to UConn, but uh, 77-71. But to give you a, a, a little bit of perspective, UCF actually sent out a quick little highlight video from that game in 2005. Who was on that UConn roster? Well, Charlie Villanueva was on that mm-hmm. UConn roster. Y- a young player by the name of Rudy Gay was probably their most explosive scorer. That year, and UCF and uh, took pushed them. Uh, UCF was a 15 seed that year, pushed them as about as far as they could go, and uh, lost by six to UConn. That UConn had a big lead at the half, and UCF really 
uh, chipped into it, but came up short. But Gary, it's because Gary Johnson was on. Yeah, fire. Gary Gary Johnson hit something like eight or nine threes in that game. He played the game of his life in the final game of his career, and and yeah. and of course, remember that was the second of two consecutive trips to the NCAA's for UCF because in '04 they were a 14 seed and played Pitt yep. and played Pitt down to the wire. The final could've score won was that game. yeah, could've won that easily could have won that game. And, and and I remember Rob Ross hitting a three. That put UCF up by six, I think, in the second half, and then yep. Pitt yep. made a Pitt made a run, and and they kind of they took a lead, and then they kind of pushed the lead out to nine when the game was right. basically already decided. But that was another close game. There've been the first two trips in '94 and '96. UCF was a 16 seed. They got bombed by uh, bombed by Glenn Robinson and Purdue. They got bombed by Marcus Camby and UMass. They always um, play top-notch NBA lottery guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, but in the but those last two trips, it felt like, oh man, we are just so close. We are so much closer than anyone thinks we are. And now yeah, to yeah, to be yeah. in the tournament in a nine-eight game against VCU, um, this is exciting. I'm going to enjoy this. And believe it or not, I still have a piece of the the net that Gary Johnson cut down uh, at the at the uh, at the Curb Event Center at uh, on the campus of Belmont. Um, and handed to me, um, and that's a very special token memento. Um, and uh, I'm hoping to have that with me on uh, on Friday, as uh, as I'm watching the game as a little good luck charm. So, um, by so, the way, I got I got two quirky stats for you on that. You bring that up, okay? You mentioned that 04 Pittsburgh game. The head coach at Pittsburgh then was Jamie Dixon. It was Jamie Dixon, right? That's or right. Has it been how? Yeah, Wait, okay. was it? It wasn't. Yeah, I think it. Uh, yeah, I think Dixon had just taken over for Ben yeah, Howland. Ben Howland. Uh, right. I'm going to verify that. Actually, the reason I bring that up because Ben Howland is now at Mississippi State. The young student for UCF that went up to that game, Jeffrey knows very well. Yeah. He was his best man at the <laughs> wedding, or one of his best men at the wedding. I'll just leave it as that, so we avoid truck controversy. It, it was <laughs> Jamie. It was Jamie Dixon, by the way. That was Jamie Dixon's second uh, second season at Pitt. Yeah. Correct. But Matt Dunaway went up there, right? That's Jeffrey right. went up to that game uh, for the pit game. And, of course, when the bracket came out and I find, you know, UCF was announced, the next team that was announced was Mississippi State as a five seed, where Matt Dunaway now is a media relations person for men's basketball with Ben Howland. Matty D. Kind of yeah, isn't that weird, though? No, it's a small world, man. <laughs> and he also, 2000, 2005, a couple other notes. Uh, the Chicago White Sox would uh, go on to win the World Series. Ironically, the Red Sox were going to defend their World Series after winning their first <laughs> World Series title, which is kind of spooky. We're going to hang England up on Patriots, you now. <laughs> the New England Patriots had just won the Super Bowl, so that's kind of spooky. Oh, God. And LeBron oh, James missed the playoffs, would be for the last time up until this year. It's been a long time. Spooky. I will add that you don't you don't know when this team will ever get back to the tournament. You can say that this lays the groundwork for the future and whatever, but you just don't know. And You're this right. team is senior late. This team, this, this UCF team is very senior laden, and so all these guys are are gone after this year. It's kind of a rebuild year next year. You don't know what the future holds. So again, just seize the moment and enjoy this moment because again, it could be another fifteen years. This this program is not Duke or Carolina or even Syracuse. So just enjoy this. I know I'm going to enjoy it, and uh, and it's going to be fun. I mean, I always look forward to those first two days, man. It's just basketball wall-to-wall, and uh, it'll be fun seeing UCF on CBS uh, to close out that first round. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll see them get to the second round, win a game in the NCAA tournament uh, for the first time in school history. All right, real quick, as we wrap up, 
Let us not forget about the UCF women's basketball team. They find out where they go in the bracket tomorrow. The women's basketball uh, selection show is uh, on Monday night. They will be at the Mellow Mushroom uh, near the corner of Alafaya and Colonial for that selection show, which I believe also starts at 6. Uh, seven, seven, 7 o'clock. Okay, got you. Thank you on ESPN. So if you want to head on out, have a little uh, meatless Monday uh, with the uh, and grab some pizza with the UCF women's basketball team, they could really use your support out there as well. As uh, they get ready to go to the NCAA tournament for the first time, in a ver- in uh, since 2011, and they have uh, never gotten an at-large bid uh, before either. So, <clears throat> so that should be a lot of fun uh, to see how they uh, to see to see where they end up in that in that as well. So, uh, so once again, as we finish up, UCF is going to play VCU on Friday night. We will have a ton of stuff for you on Black and Gold Banneret. This entire week, we'll be breaking down VCU. We'll be looking back at some of the previous UCF teams. We will have another podcast later this week. We're working on guests for that one where we recap all the sports, and we'll just set the scene for you for Friday as well. Um, I'm glad. I'm also glad that's why they put the game on Friday because we can get the, uh, a full 24 hours out of the podcast before we play. But um, <clears throat> And forgive me for my voice because it's not that I'm, I no, was yelling emotional earlier. Tonight, Jeff. But, it's an emotional day, right? Well, no, I've just been sick all freaking week. Um, And the pollen is just absolutely killing me right now. But um, this is going to be fun, guys. Uh, I'm not going to put us on the spot and making any predictions at all. I'm going to wait until Thursday for that or Wednesday night. But yeah, no, uh, I'm taking Murph's advice, man. I don't – I'm not – no, I'm enjoying this. I'm not making picks. Yeah. I, I, I'm i excited because I have – I'm not even going to fill – I tell you, I'm not even going to fill out a bracket. Well, let's not get crazy now. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Do you like I mean, sports? Never mind. Not? Maybe, maybe well, let's, let's not get maybe. carried away. I just, I'm just i staring at my 2005 UCF NCAA tournament shirt, the March to the Arch, St. Louis. There you uh, go. I'm looking, looking forward to updating that uh, gear. The All right. Game. All right. I'm looking forward to that. We're get, I, 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 do you, what do you think? What do you guys want to do? You guys want to do like an open fan bracket challenge somewhere? Invite some of our invite some of our esteemed podcast Murph. listeners and, and readers. But yeah, we'll call it we'll call it we'll call it hashtag beat Murph. That's <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I really. Down. I mean, I'm, right. I, I fly I fly home Monday morning and probably hit back on the road on Wednesday. So right. it's gonna be great. This will be good. Well, I mean, by the way, we have a we have a spread. We have a spread. Oh, we have late breaking news. We've got a number. What do we got? Break- Early spread, according to, I mean, again, this is for entertainment purposes, but some of the most uh, sites have VCU as a one-point favorite. That's basically yeah, a Palm, coin flip. Ken, Ken, Palm, Ken Palm and Torvik uh, both have VCU as a 55 point, a 55% chance of winning the game. So, again, it's an 8-9 toss-up. Well, what a yeah, shock. Essentially, over essentially under, a coin flip. Way, over under 125, Murph. 125. Oof, yeah. I think I'm going over that. Yeah. All right. Line. <clears throat> so that'll be all right. So this will be fun. So stay with us at UCF underscore banner for all the latest on Twitter. Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, Spokes underscore Murphy. I also want to send a big thank you to Jeremy Brenner for um, being with us uh, earlier today for the um, heck of a for, job. For boys. You guys did a heck of a job. That was right? that was a lot of fun. We had to break that thing down, and then as soon as we signed up, we had to run outside and get the sound from the players because. Dan brought everybody outside over by that that basketball court across the street from Burger View. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah, we, yeah. yeah, we had to like run out there real quick in order to get everybody. But um, 
yeah, this is it, it's just been a blast. It's great having UCF back in the NCAA tournament for the first time in a, a decade and a half. So um, I'm looking forward to it, and I know you are too. So for all of us at Black and Gold Banneret, for Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, and let's say it out loud, boys. UCF is going to the dance. Watch any moment, y'all. Hello, friends. Let's do this. We'll catch y'all later in the week.